As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. started with another episode of Wellness Center Creators, I'd like to take a moment to highlight our sponsor, Jane. Jane is a complete practice management software that makes it easy to book, chart, bill, and get paid all online. The team at Jane knows that getting paid is one of, if not the most important parts of running your practice. With that in mind, they've created a fully integrated PCI compliant payment solution called Jane Payments that makes for a convenient online payment experience for you and your clients. With Jane Payments, you can collect credit card info through your online booking or intake forms, send one-click payment request emails or SMS for outstanding balances, and you'll never need to leave Jane to reconcile payments. Curious to learn more? Head to jane.app backslash payments You can also use the code wellness1mo, wellness one month, at the time of sign up for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. A small gift from Jane to you. Welcome back everyone to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Claire Wilson. Claire, welcome to the show. Hi, Kendall. It's great to be here. Can you share with our audience who you are, what you do, how you got to be doing what you do? Sure. Well, I'm an executive coach and a team strategist at Riff, and Riff is a creative agency in Vancouver, Washington. We do creative services as well as strategy services. And um, one unique thing that we do as part of our strategy services is we specifically work with teams and do team strategy. So we use two different metrics. We use the print survey, which is all about your motivation. And we use the Colby index, which is all about how you take action when you're striving. And with those two things, what we're able to do is we're really able to help people understand how they're hardwired, what their talents are. That's one of our core values is that we all show up. We have these talents. We have gifts. It helps us understand how we use them, how we can leverage that uh, those gifts as teammates. And then um, what comes from that is really a culture of deep respect and understanding on um, how we can show up each day and create value and how we can look at each other as collaborators and partners and really take our teamwork to the next level so that we're in a situation where we're doing what we love to do and we're also able to really get the best out of each other as we're doing it. These are amazing tools and I've seen them, I've seen them work personally and professionally and in our community. So I'm excited we're talking about this. Let's start with talking about the brain. (laughs) A few different parts of the brain you want to highlight, particularly the cognitive part of the brain, cognitive, there was one other. Right. So we use uh, three parts of the model for the mind. And so 
the cognitive, the affective, and the conative. And cognitive, everyone, I mean, that's usually the focus of schools. It's, you know, all the skills you've ever learned. It's changeable. Then there's the affective, which it's more about the feelings and your motivation. What do you value? And then there's this third part, this conative piece, which is largely not discussed. And this dates all the way back to ancient philosophers. And Kathy Colby is really the person she didn't uh, invent it, but she was the person who really was the first to understand how to measure it and how to language it. And then she came up with the Colby Index, which is the only thing that measures that. So conation is not what you think or what you know, and it's not what you feel or what you value, but it's literally what do you do when you're striving? How do you take action? So it it's all about your striving instincts when you're committed to the task. So basically, conation drives action. Action drives performance. And if you want to understand how to get the best out of yourself and the best out of the people that you work with, it's so key that you understand this conative piece because it's not what you know or what you like. It's literally, how do you approach your creativity? What do you do when free to do it your own way? Awesome. So... The Colby assessment is different than other tests that we kind of see in this realm. So tell us what makes it different than even the print test, but then some of these other, there's a lot of common like personality tests and things like that, that people are aware of. But I think Colby test is one that not many people have heard of. Right. I I think very, very few people have. When you think of the more of the personality test that you like you mentioned that's more squarely in the affective part so it's all about how do you feel about things what do you value what do you like to do what do you prefer but the colby is only focused on what you will or won't do when you're taking action so there's basically i'll just give you a kind of a little short synopsis of colby it's you're always taking action in um, four ways when you're solving problems. It's through how much data you're using, what kind of structure you're applying, how much you're risking, and what's happening in the physical environment. And so there's these four different action modes. And the real key insight here is that everyone has a talent somewhere on the continuum of these four ways. And we have one best way that we take action. It's not what you can or can't do. That's cognitive, that's ability. It's just what you will or won't do when free to do it your own way. So for example, for me, I start with a lot of details and then I need a lot of options. I don't take a lot of risk when it comes to things and um, I need something physical or tangible to deal with. When people take it, it will give you four sets of, it'll give you four numbers and then it will help you understand what is it in your approach of how you can get started in your creativity. So if we compare that to the print survey test, what are the differences and why do you use both the Colby and the print in your work? Great. So the print is um, affective. So it's your motivation. It's what basically it's based on nine major archetypes. And so it's Colby is how you're going to do it, but print is why you do it. So When we're involved in our creative problem-solving process, we're always using all three parts of the mind, but we definitely use them in a certain order. So creativity starts with motivation. So it starts with your print. So if we understand that, you know, if I'm the kind of person who needs things to be perfect, right, and correct, and my colleague is a person who needs to enjoy life and um, have fun, we can understand a predictable set of things that both inspire us and trigger us. So 
with that in mind, when we're working together, it can help us understand, okay, how might we naturally get on each other's toes or how could we naturally support each other? So we use the print because without knowing what motivates us, we're kind of missing a key piece because we'll never see someone's Colby and their striving when they're not committed to the task because your creativity always starts with if you're motivated. Absolutely. So in coaching teams, what are some common challenges that you see teams facing, especially present day as we continue to see the ripple effects of the pandemic and how can these tools help? Right. So I think it's kind of um, small scale, large scale. So on the individual level, a really common challenge is that people are not free to take action in the way that is natural for them. We're kind of taught there's certain ways to do it. And so a lot of people really get stuck in their own process and they they kind of need to get freed up from what's expected for them, especially in certain roles. And so what the Colby can help us understand is how do you naturally take action? You had Jake on the podcast. He and I could not be any different <laughs> as teammates. Okay. But um, <laughs> knowing knowing how we're different as teammates really helps us get clear on what are we each bringing to the table? I'm going to bring a lot of details. He's going to cut to the bottom line. He's going to bring a lot of innovation and brainstorming. I'm going to bring a lot of stability. And so challenges for teams, I think, can be initially just a disconnect in what are the talents that they're showing up with naturally that they can count on, and then seeing those as strengths in the person that you're working with. So when you take Colby, when you understand your strengths, you can kind of shortcut with each other. So if I need help with something that's really difficult for me and I know I'm going to get bogged down in the weeds, I can just turn to Jake and say, oh man, can you, <laughs> I need some help with this. And, you know, suddenly you can see he's invigorated because he his talent is cut through too much data and he's invigorated. He can give me a quick answer. Boom. You know, we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Whereas I think with teams, when you don't understand that about what each other are bringing to the table, you can get stuck in, this is the way to do it because it is my way. And there can be a lot of conflicts that come up because there's just not a respect over, it's not that Jake doesn't really know all the facts and I do. And so somehow that makes me better at something. It's just like, oh no, in this situation, we got to cut through it. We need Jake. In this situation, you know, hey, Claire, uh, there's this thing that happened this one, you know, and he can tap into me for details. I can tap into him for that. So it really helps you see each other in a way that allows you to kind of stay in your own lane and then come together, know what you need, and then kind of move on. And it helps kind of break the cycle of, you know, why aren't they like me? Or why are, does that make sense, Kendall? It does. It makes perfect sense. And, you know, this is, this is the dream for a, a business owner really is to figure out how to understand everyone's strengths on your team in a way that people can really work together in an effective way, right? That's what business owners want. And when we think about healthcare teams, especially multidisciplinary teams, we have a lot of listeners who are building multidisciplinary healthcare businesses and they're trying to figure out well, how do we get all these different healthcare providers to collaborate and to to really respect each other's uh, specialties and strengths and um, and differences? Right. So, 
So that's kind of like the small scale challenge is kind of that initial, how do we learn about ourselves? How do we learn about the team? Mm -hmm. But then, you know, you mentioned, you know, as you're building your practice, there's a really common, a real common way that start, we work with mainly startups, but startups form. And I'm sure this is true in your field as well, is you tend to start with a lot of people who initiate in quick start. So these are the people who innovate, make it up as they go. They tolerate risk very well, kind of the natural entrepreneurs. So we'll see working with with startups, you have, you know, a lot of these people who are kind of this one way of doing it, a lot of initiating quick start. And then secondly comes in a lot of the fact finders. So they've got all the details, they've got the priorities, they're there with the strategy. But at a certain point in every company, when it comes to scaling, there there comes a point where it almost stalls out. And this is across really any industry that I've worked with. And that's the point where you've got the ideas, you've got the strategy, but you have no one to actually structure the system for you. And over and over this happens. So then what happens is the founders or the CEOs, they try to get better at being more structured. And then they're kind of like losing the love for it because they're kind of taken out of their own game, what their strengths are, when really what we can help them do is we can help identify that next talent, which is they need that follow through, they need the processes, they need the systems, and they need the freedom to not be the person to do that. So we can help identify those people for them. And the same thing happened at Riff. We had all this quick start. Now we had all this fact finders. We didn't have anyone who initiated with the systems. And so what the Colby helped us do is we each took an index, um, not our own index, but you can take an index on the actual role. And we discovered, not surprisingly, we were missing this follow-through talent. All of us identified, okay, for this job, this is the kind of talent set we need. They all matched up. And then in our search to find a project manager, we were able to identify you know, the, that candidate who's now our project manager. She was the perfect fit for us. And then not only that... It's one thing to know you need some structure and you need help scaling, but it's another thing then to bring someone in and have that person be set up for success as that person who's, you know, acts so differently from the rest. So Mm -hmm. there was this whole part of her onboarding where it was around, okay, this is how your team naturally acts, but this is what we're hiring for you. This is what we need from you. And there's going to be some give and take and a lot of coaching around basically how do we set her up so that she stays because we need this, even though none of us is bringing it naturally. So it's kind of, it's how do you find someone? (laughs) How do you identify it? And then once you get them, how do you keep them? How does that person feel really valued and respected when they're asked to build systems and the rest of us naturally, our tendency is to want to shortcut those systems. So how do you navigate that, right? 100%. I see this over and over again with clinic owners that I coach Okay, where they, you know, and, and myself as well as our company has grown and expanded and having our leadership team now. And, but I see this over and over with clinic owners where we're not built to do those systems necessarily, mm-hmm. right? We're built to be entrepreneurs and to have the vision and to and to do the relationship piece, especially healthcare business owners, right? We're good at the relationships. We're good at caring for people. And we don't want to be in the details every day trying to make the SOP document for the system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's excruciating, right? But this happens in small businesses. And like you said, startups in particular, because they're, you know, we have to start somewhere. So it's super common in healthcare. And uh, so that's where a lot of encouragement comes around. Like, 
it is time to, to build a leadership team. It is time to bring on support positions. And that's where Colby and Print can come in is like that right fit hiring. That idea of right fit hiring is like, who is the right person for this job? Because in this role, we need someone who is going to do the systems and they're going to be bumping up. We have this on our leadership team. We have, we have the, you know, entrepreneur. We have the the person doing the details. We have the person making sure we're not spending too much money and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, dreaming too big and that, that sort of thing. But the person that does all the systems and (laughs) program development is, you know, half the time is like looking at us, beating your head against the wall, like, come on team. Like we need you to stick in these systems and we really need to slow down and, and build this. And it's such a valuable role for any company. So um, I think across industries, people can really identify with that. Right. And it's such a, I think the real gift that Colby can give to the team and really help mitigate a lot of that stress is to just call out what's already happening, right? It's mm-hmm. already happening. People know what's happening. And then how do you how do you move through it? And with Colby, what that helps us is this whole language around the talent we're talking about is follow through. So it's how do you how do you deal with structure? On one end, you have people who really the way they start and take action is by logistics and setting milestones, and they have all mm-hmm. this beautiful structure and they mm-hmm. naturally bring things to closure. And then on the other end, you have people like me and a lot of the other people at Rift who you know we shortcut the, our, the way we deal with structure is we adapt it. And we don't do it the same way every time. When you bring on those key team members then who do have that talent in structuring, it's very powerful, I think, to, because what we do naturally, we tend to maybe downplay, right? And so then we can have this whole conversation on, oh, this is a follow-through issue. It's not, oh, this person's a flake because they didn't fill out the whatever, or this person's timesheet's late. I mean, those things are important and they need to get sorted, but it can become an a conversation around how do we get the people who need more support around structure? How do we get that in place? And how do we support the person who's building the systems and really respect and honor that? And like, what are the deal breakers? What are the absolute non-negotiables? And when, uh, when she came on, I, in one of our conversations, I just said, I just want you to know you will in any conversation on structure and on follow through, I will defer to you. I will also need help. I it, it So it's like, it's an understanding. This is what's going to happen. But also mm-hmm. because our talents and the talents of the team is so different, these are things that we're going to all wa- be watching out for because they're going to happen. And it's not a crisis when they happen. When they happen, yeah. we have a way to talk about it and we keep moving. But there's that yeah. respect there of we need you. <laughs> we need you. We need this. And also we're going to need some help. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Katie and I'm part of the team here at Jane. Jane is a practice management software that can help you run your business with intuitive features like online booking, scheduling, charting, and billing. And if you've ever wanted to increase your practice revenue without increasing your hours, we have a solution for you. Jane Payments is a PCI compliant payment solution that allows you to save credit cards securely on file, collect outstanding balances through email or text, bring in additional revenue with online gift cards and automated memberships, and reconcile reports, all without having to leave Jane. Come see for yourself at jane.app forward slash payments. So... So my, I come from background in psychology. I'm a therapist. And so, you mm-hmm. know, been through all the personality tests, all the things. 
and in psychology in general, right? It brings up the topic of parenting and I'm a parent. And so I get curious about how can Colby in particular impact parenting? So my son is 11 and I learned his Colby several years ago. And to me, and I, I also, I was really lucky. I got to take Colby when I was in high school. I had a teacher who kind of saw the potential for it. So I've known my and mine since, you know, for like over 20 years. So to me, that was really powerful as a learner. Then as a parent, when I learned my son's MO, his Colby, it's almost like he kind of came into focus a little bit better for me. And how old are your kids? Uh, my kids are eight and five. Okay. So I have an 11 year old and, you know, you're always watching your kid. And if you think back again to the three parts of the mind, you know, we're looking at the cognitive, like, what are they learning? Are they on track? Oh, this is a new thing that they learned. We're looking at their affect. We're looking at, okay, how are they, are they emotionally regulating? You know, what are they like? What sets them off? But then when I learned this Colby piece, it helped me understand and see him in a way of how is he showing up creatively? Like, what is his creative problem solving process? Well, his Colby is that of a pioneer. He needs a lot of risk and he needs a lot of physical, a lot of physical risk, basically. We're very opposite in this way. And so as a mom, it helped me understand for him to thrive, this is kind of his like order of operations. For me to thrive, it's really different in these different ways. So it helped me not have to spend a lot of energy in what's hardwired in him and not changing. Granted, it's not, I mean, I'm actually a very strict parent. It's not like, let him do whatever he wants. This is his process. But it helped me kind of pull <laughs> apart, right? It helped me pull apart, oh, if this is not an issue over like respect or rules, but this is just simply he needs a more varied approach, oh, I can do that. Oh, he needs to, you know, more opportunities to spend this talent. Oh, great. I can do that. So for him, the two of us, neither of us is very structured. So what we do is the way that I've set up our home, it's, we do have a lot of routine, but it's very simple. It's like the simplest thing that is possible and still being called a plan. Like that's the plan. And so mm -hmm. we don't sweat it and we're very extremely adaptable and his father is, we're divorced. He's totally different in this way. And so I think it helps him also understand, oh, when I'm dealing with my dad, dad needs things to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in order. And when there's small changes, that can be stressful for him. But when I'm with mom, we just kind of do one, two, seven, 10, 12, 23, you know, so it yep. just kind of, it helps him understand and calibrate because this, this isn't a cop out. It's not, oh, this is my Colby. I just do what I want because this is you know, who I am. It's more, how do I really deeply understand my own creative process? And then how do I make adjustments with the people around me so that we can have the best teamwork possible? And then for my son as a learner, it's really helped him understand things like, you know, he has to do research, these rolling continuous research projects. And at a certain point, it gets really hard for him. And it's interesting because it's always at the same point. So helping him understand, oh, when it's the beginning, it's all the brainstorming energy. That's so exciting, you know? And then, oh, we get to do this. And then at a certain point, and it comes to the structure piece, a certain point, it has to become notes. They have to go on note cards. And now we're in a specific order that for him, he feels boxed in, his energy dips. He starts to think he's not very smart. And he, you know, he starts to kind of uh, not want to give up, but just, you know, he's lost interest. 
well, kids that have a lot of follow through, they, they love tech ticking off those check boxes. You know, it's like, oh, another thing. He's not like that. So he now understands, oh, when my energy does that dip, I have to change something. I have to make it more exciting again. How can I do that? Well, I can challenge myself. Maybe I can wait to the last minute. Maybe I can push it to, he goes to Montessori school, so they have a lot of freedom within the day, but maybe I can do it all in the last hour and race the clock. Maybe I can do it first thing in the morning and see what happens. So it's him as a parent, um, him understanding, like teaching him kind of his own creative process and understanding, like, if I have to do things in a certain way for the certain thing, that's just life, right? We have to, we have to pay our taxes. We have to do, there are things that must be done, but are there ways that he can change his own approach so that he's still showing up with a lot of energy to, to actually, you know, complete the task. So for him, once the note card section is done, he and I have a huge celebration. We don't wait till the end of the project because he doesn't need it at the end of the project. He needs it kind of infused in that middle part. So as a parent, it's been really, I think it's such a huge gift to teach him this is your create this is how you're creative this is a way that's not going to let you down and pay attention like when this is happening in school the answer is not i'm not good at school the answer is what can i do what changes can i make so that i can still get what it needs to be done but i can do it in a way that's true to me and that keeps me working with my grain does that make sense yeah and it's it's that empowerment piece as an individual and the personal responsibility piece in showing up in relationships too and you know obviously it translates to partnerships and marriage and everything uh, but when we think about teams work teams it's that piece of like you were saying earlier it's not a cop out to say like oh because this is my print score this is my colby like this is who I am and deal with it. It's it's about really being empowered in your own self and understanding others and being able to really communicate with the strengths part of the other person. Exactly. Yeah. So again, with, with kids, then also the, when he's at school, he can understand when I'm working on a group project you know, I can actually say to the people, wow, you can count on me for coming up with all the ideas at the lot. You know, this is what you can count on me. Oh, you, we need someone to actually do the, all the details or make the plan. I can do that, but but it is a little bit harder. You know what I mean? It's like, how am mm-hmm. I going to spend my mental energy? How am I going to yeah. spend it? And then knowing like you, you need to spend it really wisely. So when there are times where you have to work against your grain, what can you do to, you know, get through it in a way that still keeps your energy going. And yeah, when you mentioned teams and, and teamwork, it isn't a cop-out at all. And in fact, I think it's it's good to use a little levity, a little humor when you're, you know, when you're, because they are all strengths. I mean, having a random approach is a strength, but it's not always very helpful in certain situations. So again, if it's just part of the conversation of this is how we're getting through this, I might not be the best person to bring that value to the team, but sometimes I have to be that person. And so what do I do about it? You know, it's not a cop-out, but what supports can I put in place? And can I have the self-awareness to know that going back to three parts of the mind and the creative process again, if I'm under stress at work, well, I can always take a look at what part what part of the mind is going on here? Is this cognitive? Am I literally missing a skill set or do I need a technology, something in that way? Is this affective? Like, am I triggered by 
a colleague right now? Like, has there something come up? Well, we can take a look at print and understand, oh, this is a predictable trigger for me and maybe that needs to get cleaned up. Or is it that I have all the things I need to do the job well and, you know, I'm doing great with my teammate, but the way I am carrying on and doing this task, it is against my grain. And so something needs to change in that way. Yeah. What I love so much about these tools is that, you know, we spend so much of our lives at work and with our work teams and to have a resource like this is it can really create a a different, positive, effective experience for where we're spending so much of our time. Right. And you mentioned the print. I So with the print, with these nine different motivational types, I think that is, that's a piece where, again, you can have the conversation, you can deal with what's going on in a way where there's not, there's not a disaster. I think sometimes, especially in business, people think, well, you know, I don't really want to maybe talk about my feelings or talk about this because then, you know, now we have a problem or why should, or, you know, actually sometimes a common challenge people might think, well, why should I have to do this? Can't we just all do our jobs. And I think yeah. there's a real missed opportunity there. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a therapist, I'm a coach. Um, but I think I'm sure you, you run into that all the time where it's, it's like, they don't, the challenge seems to be the time to learn it for s- someone else, because we ought to just do it naturally. And we are at work so much. We're, we're with our colleagues so much of the day. And I think that's a real missed opportunity because with a little bit of effort and insight in how we're wired, and then by making just small, small adjustments to the people that we work with, I mean, there's just such an opportunity to take everything to a level you, you didn't really know you had. So it, it is worth the, the time and effort. With print, um, some of the print types do really well with a very direct approach. And some of the print types do well with a little more, you know, kind of coming in at the side, building a little bit of the case. And we're pretty split at Riff. And, um, but one, one thing that I think really, really helped me personally was understanding that one of my bosses who his print is to be very, it's very direct. It's very assertive. It can feel very steamrolly in shadow. But for me, that was very uncomfortable. You know, I kind of tend to build a case and, you know, maybe I'm less direct. And even in our best self with our prints, we would just trigger each other. (laughs) And once I realized, oh, being direct is the only way to make an improvement here. Like it's really the only option. And so it was really hard because it felt really uncomfortable to just say, no, we can't make that deadline. I mean, this is your boss, you, you, you know, so, but once I realized, and I remember something had come up and I knew it wasn't going to happen, but, you know, I kind of wanted to do the indirect kind of side, well, let's soft pedal. And then I just was like, I said, okay, you know how we just did that print workshop? Like, I'm going to do the thing where I just directly tell you it's not going to work. And he was like, okay, that's fine. And it it just kind of like clicked in my mind, like, oh, there are other ways of doing things that if I just, if I'm willing to feel a little uncomfortable in the moment and build the muscle of being direct specifically with those people who need that for me, we can get a lot more done and there's a lot less drama and you can get over the like fraughtness of a situation by just making a small adjustment on your end. And you you can start small. You can learn one small thing, practice that, (laughs) and then 
grow that, you know, and then soon you have this whole skill set on everybody you're working with based on, oh, I tried that, it worked. So we're going to keep doing that versus why don't they do it my way? Why are we still doing this the same way again? So yeah, the print is wonderful when it comes to helping that interpersonal piece and, you know, why we're getting triggered. And then the Colby is, there's nothing like the Colby that's going to help you understand like how you, how you might be um, not triggering each other, but how your approach might be radically different than mm-hmm. your colleague. Okay, last question. What is your absolute favorite part of your job? I love I love working with the team directly on their strengths. I love Okay, so this this is Maybe this isn't answering a question, but this is something that when this happens at my at work, I am so excited. So uh, something will come up with colleagues and they will come to me and they will say, "Hey, I think I had this Colby moment and then they'll give me the rundown of what happened between them. And it's all, it is so amazing. It, it, because not only does it show the kind of the magic of what happens when your teammates are paying attention and really tuned in to how to improve themselves, but also there's the moment where they come back and then they want to describe and share what happened and share that back out with the team. So it's like, we have this, not only a wonderful thing that happened, but this culture of like continuous learning and sharing and, hey, maybe this would work. Maybe this would work. Maybe this would work. Um, so I think that is probably my favorite thing is when I get to see how they are actually applying and using the tools that we have in a way that makes their life better and their teamwork better. And it just makes it really fun to be at work. It makes it really fun to be with your team. It's beautiful. So if teams want to work with you, you know, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, you do coaching for outside teams. Are you taking new clients? How how can people find you? How can people work with you? We are taking new clients. Um, yes, we're, you can go to riff.agency and you can find us there. And um, yeah. Great. Well, all the information will be in the show notes. Um, Thank you so much for being here, Claire. It was a pleasure to chat with you today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Kendall. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Plus, if you do have time, please subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing the show. That will help other people find us. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.